Welcome back to Relatively Certain, a science podcast straight from researchers at the University of Maryland. I'm Dina Genkina, and I'm here with a story about taming chaos using artificial intelligence, physics savvy, and a combination of the two. Allow me to introduce our lead chaos tamer. All right. I'm Michelle Gervin. I am a professor in the Department of Physics here at the University of Maryland. My training is in physics and math, and I did my PhD in physics at Cornell. But even though my degrees all say physics, my research has a greater interdisciplinary trend to it. These days, Gervin's research focuses on different kinds of networks. She uses insights from her physics training to shed light on all kinds of things from neurons in the brain to how we behave on social media. Recently, she's become fascinated with predicting chaotic behavior, and she and her colleagues dreamed up a way to use artificial intelligence, often built atop a digital network, to improve these predictions. Chaos is when you have what we say is sensitivity to initial conditions. People know this as like the butterfly effect, for instance. You start with a condition that's a little bit different. Let's say we have a quiet butterfly in one case and another butterfly that's flapping its wings, kind of changing the initial condition of the weather. You run the tape forward, the, that slight change in initial condition can really produce a drastically different time course later on. Yep, I'm that awkward coworker by the water cooler trying to talk to you about the weather. But I promise, the topic is not as tiresome as it seems. We all gripe about how notoriously unreliable weather forecasts are. Well, the weather's capriciousness can be attributed to chaos. It's one of those things that can completely change at the flap of a butterfly's wing. So a little caveat here, I'm not an expert in weather prediction. Gervin and her team haven't explicitly tackled weather prediction, but their ideas can be applied generally, so we'll stick with the weather example. It's iconic, relatable, and it'll give you, dear listener, some killer fodder for your own water cooler conversation. Let's say you're planning a barbecue and you want to know what the weather out in your front yard will be like, say, a month from now, so you can plan a flawless outfit. You'd want to collect all kinds of information. Today's temperature, wind speed, the flapping habits of all nearby butterflies. What's more, you'd need some way of taking all this data and turning it into a prediction. That is, you'd need a model of the weather. Is an eastward wind the sign of a storm? Does a flapping butterfly increase or decrease the future temperature? Sounds like an impossible task, right? But if you're not a stickler for perfect prediction, you'll probably be able to take a reasonable guess for next month's weather. You've probably even built up a simple model of how the weather behaves just by virtue of being alive. Let's think about the weather very simply for a moment. Let's say at one point in time, we wanted to predict the temperature. Now, one thing we could do is just take in a lot of data, right, and look at how the temperature varies with time, and we would see some patterns in that. We would notice some cyclical variation, so the temperature changes periodically in the diurnal cycle, so day to night, the temperature changes seasonally, so we would see these different patterns. So somehow that has created my model of the temperature variation. This model predicts the temperature based on very few parameters indeed, 
just time of day and time of year. Real forecasts, the ones you get on your phone, are more sophisticated versions of this same kind of thinking. They combine current atmospheric data with state-of-the-art weather models, all so you can make appropriate fashion decisions. But because chaos is so tough to tame, even the best models can only predict the weather a couple weeks in advance. And more often than not, they'll still get some things wrong. But you could take a different perspective that is common today in machine learning, which is an area of computer science, it's an area of artificial intelligence, where you just take all the data, you have what we might call a black box method, and that method, its goal is to find the patterns in the data. This approach, using artificial intelligence, doesn't need to know how humidity or a butterfly flapping its wings out in the front yard should affect tomorrow's temperature. Instead, it uses a bunch of computational power to look for patterns in the data and make predictions solely based on those patterns. That's why Gervin calls it a black box method. It's not a mechanistic model where we understand the mechanics of what's going on, like changing seasons or times of day. What the computer is doing isn't necessarily going to make any intuitive sense to us at all. We just feed it data and it spits out predictions a common thing to do is to use something called an artificial neural network. An artificial neural network is one of the most popular and successful of these black box pattern finding methods. It's an approach inspired by, you guessed it, our brains. The brain is made up of hundreds of billions of interconnected units called neurons. Each individual neuron can't do much. It either fires an electrical pulse to its neighbors or it stays quiet. But altogether, The network somehow processes signals, like the feeling of thirst, and sends commands to the rest of the body to go pour itself a glass of water. Artificial neural networks live on a computer, not in the brain. To visualize how they work, imagine these artificial neurons as light bulbs, arranged in neat rows before you, stretching into the distance. Right in front of you are switches that turn the bulbs in the nearest row on or off. This is the input layer where the signal enters the network. In our weather example, this could be information about the temperature and humidity and all the butterflies in your yard. These light bulbs then send electrical signals to the bulbs in the next row, causing them either to light up or not. This continues row by row until you hit the final row. The last row, with its own pattern of lit up bulbs, is the output. For us, a prediction of tomorrow's temperature. One of the reasons for the success of artificial neural networks is because you have this population of a lot of different interacting units. In these cases, the pattern of the way you connect them can be pretty important. This pattern determines how input maps to output. By fiddling with the strengths of these connections, a programmer can train the network to do completely different tasks. Maybe even predict the behavior of that fickle mistress, the weather. During training, The programmer uses data they already have. They can look up a historical record of the weather in the area. Then, when the network makes a prediction about the temperature last May, they can compare it to the right answer. Then, they tweak the connections between the different rows of neurons until the output gets close to the historical record. If they do this thousands of times, the network will get good at recognizing exactly which patterns in the input are important to making the correct predictions. And now, if they feed the network new data it hasn't seen before, it should be able to make reasonable forecasts. 
So a lot of machine learning uses artificial neural networks, but there are a lot of different kinds of artificial neural networks. And one thing that's very common today that you'll hear about is deep learning. So let me describe what that means. So I have input, and it inputs into a first layer of neurons, and that first layer of neurons sends signals to a second layer, and the second layer sends signals to a third layer, and so on. But all the signals are sent forward. So the training is a little easier, and this works well in a lot of cases. These deep learning neural networks, with lots of rows of bulbs between the input and output, have had amazing success in recent years. A network called AlphaGo was trained to play this notoriously complex ancient Chinese board game Go and beat the reigning world champion Lisa Dole in 2016. These networks are also behind speech recognition in smart devices like Siri and Alexa. But even with all of that success, they are not quite crafty enough to tame chaos. For something chaotic, Gervin and her co-authors needed to use an even more complicated network one with more than just forward-propagating connections. We use a certain kind of artificial neural network called a reservoir computer, which is really different than the architecture I just described. So instead, it has what's called a reservoir of artificial neuron-like units that are randomly connected, and there are loops in this network. So in the first network, the signals always went forward. And in this reservoir network, there can be lots of loops, and this is called a recurrent neural network. This reservoir is like a large wall of light bulbs again. But instead of being in neat rows, they're kind of all over the place. There's still an input row in the beginning and an output row at the end. But in the middle, it's a free-for-all. The signals travel arbitrarily forward and back, and some even come back to the same bulb in a loop. It's complicated, and maybe even a bit chaotic? This reservoir computer turned out to be very good at predicting chaotic behavior surprisingly far in advance. In chaos speak, there's a time scale on which things go bonkers. If our butterfly is sitting still in one scenario and flapping wildly in the other scenario, after some amount of time, the two scenarios will be unrecognizably different. Scientists call this the Lyapunov time, named after an old Russian mathematician. Using a large reservoir computer, Gervin and her co-authors were able to predict what will happen accurately up to five Lyapunov times. That's enough time for the weather to go bonkers five times over. But Gervin and her team didn't stop there. Great as the reservoir network is, it's still a black box. There's no way to know if it figured out some simple human insights, like temperature changing with the seasons and times of day. Gerben thought perhaps reintroducing the physical model, in addition to the neural network, can give some improvement. That's when Gerben's team started experimenting with how these neural networks and physicists can put their heads together. As physicists, if we come up with a model of the weather, there are certain things that we're going to put into it that we're sort of predisposed to putting into it, and maybe some things that we're more likely to overlook. And the machine is agnostic in this view, but it's also almost impossible to interpret in some cases. So what they did is pipe the prediction of the mechanistic model into the input layer 
and into the tail end of the reservoir, right before the final output row. During training, the reservoir then learns from a model prediction and also learns to balance its own prediction with the model prediction. It was a simple idea that turned out to have remarkable success. What was surprising was how much better we do. So we could take a reservoir that really only gave short-term forecasts, right? So if we're thinking about weather, let's say this reservoir could only predict the weather for a day. And then we also took a very bad model where, okay, the model is only predicting the weather for a day. And then combining those together, we realize that we have a bad reservoir, a bad model, but now we suddenly get four days worth of prediction, a very high quality prediction. So that was the surprise to us. Again, the weather here is just a convenient example. Gervin and her colleagues can't yet tell you whether you'll need shorts or a raincoat next June. Instead, they studied a classic chaotic system named after the guy who first discovered the butterfly effect, Edward Lorentz, as well as how fire propagates along a plank of wood. But in terms of the Lapunov time, the time it would take for a chaotic system like the weather to go bonkers, they found that if they use a pretty good model that can predict the weather for two of those times, and a reservoir that can also predict for two, the combination of the two could predict accurately up to seven going bonkers times. And not only does this produce better predictions, but it can also give some unexpected insights into what each of the two approaches is missing. So we could see, for instance, when we're combining the machine learning approach with a mechanistic model, we could notice that, oh, in general, everything is working pretty well, but the machine learning side of things is making these big corrections whenever the temperature is very high. And so that's telling us our model is wrong when the temperature is very high. So instead of just having this black box, we can use machine learning in this way to add interpretations. This is a powerful way to see where machine learning can predict something that physicists would normally overlook. On the flip side, it's a great way to see where the machine fails and make it less of a black box. To me, it's an inspiring example of artificial intelligence and conventional physics wisdom working together to make predictions that are more than the sum of their parts. That's it for this episode. I enjoyed chatting about the weather with you. A big thanks this week to Michelle Gervin for telling us about using artificial intelligence to find paths through the chaos and physicists and AI joining forces. And a shout out to all her co-authors on this work. We'll be back soon with another episode. For Relatively Certain, I'm Dina Genkina.